I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and tonight's episode is very special um we actually have interviews with the creative forces behind the new film dark house um which stars uh tobin bell who you may know from the saw franchise as well as a ton of other things that he has been in not the least of which is one of my favorite tv series uh Vengeance Unlimited with Michael Madsen. Um, but Tobin and um, the story writer, screenplay writer, um, and actually actor in the show, uh, in the film, uh, Charles Agron, will be joining us to discuss the new movie and uh, talk about the mythos behind it. It's a neat little film. And I really enjoyed it. Um, it also co-stars Zach Ward, and uh, it's really good. And it just came out this week on Blu-ray and DVD. And um, But before we get into our interview section, we have quite a bit of Week in Geek to get through. And uh, uh, some TV reviews as well. we got to go over some stuff, not the least of which is True Detective, which I marathoned through to get to the finale, which happened this weekend. And apparently broke HBO to go um, because everyone wanted to watch it after they watched The Walking Dead, so they went to HBO to go to do it, I guess. Um, But yeah, so this week we had that. We had a new episode of The Walking Dead, and we had a new episode of Hannibal, which it sounds like may be in trouble ratings-wise, which I don't understand, and people need to stop um, not watching it. You need to be watching Hannibal. I mean, seriously, you really, really do. Um, but before we get to the reviews of television, let's talk about future TV, and that includes the new series Gotham, which we've talked about previously on the show. Um, I'm really excited about this series. It's got a great cast, and they have recently announced or actually released the artwork and logo for the show, which looks super cool. Um, very dark skyline of the Gotham cityscape with uh, the logo there. And um, they also released a very lengthy synopsis that you can uh, check out online. Um, we'll have it up on the site as well. Um, but it goes through the origin story and, and who's there and um, also talks about uh, the relationship between Alfred and Bruce, which is going to be, I think, the focus of the show. Um, also, of course, Commissioner Gordon, who is not a commissioner yet. Um, but it's going to be amazing. And they've released a really, it's like a really long synopsis. I'm kind of amazed by how long it is. 
Um, but we will have that up for you on the site on fangirlmag.com where you can check that out. Um, also future TV wise, very far future. Uh, there is a huge push on game of Thrones right now because it's getting ready to start back up again. And the, uh, uh, Vanity Fair, which I'm still trying to figure out how Vanity Fair gets all this genre stuff. They get a lot. They got um, Grindhouse and things like that. And I don't, I just don't see a lot of genre fans reading Vanity Fair. Does that make sense? Um, but they're doing a, a <laughs> they're doing a collector's edition of Vanity Fair with a massive article on Game of Thrones. And they're doing some really beautiful photo shoots for the the series, of course. Um, but it's just sort of odd to me that Vanity Fair gets a lot of genre stuff. Maybe I'm jealous. Maybe a little. Uh, but anyway, uh, they were talking to George R. R. Martin and the creators of the show. And since the book series is getting ready to wind up eventually... Um, even though they're thick enough you could build a house with them, they're sort of bricks. Uh, they're thinking that Game of Thrones is going to run about seven or eight seasons, which I don't think they'll have any kind of problem pulling that off with the show, um, considering how stretched out they've made True Blood. Uh, uh, I don't even want to go there. But, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting articles and things like that in there that they're going to have. And um, But, yeah, I find it interesting that they're, they actually know when they're going to end um, it sounds like they've got a good idea, which means they'll be able to plot this show out and, and pace it well along with the book. So that makes me sort of happy. Um, but I'm going to be sad when it goes because it's, it is one of the few shows on TV that I really don't like missing. It's, it's, I enjoy it. It's, it's not like high art, even though Vanity Fair seems to think so. But, um, I, I enjoy Game of Thrones and we'll definitely be recapping it through its run this season on the show. But I, I thought you all would find that interesting that, uh, they've given, um, they've given it about eight seasons to go through, which makes sense. Um, considering how quickly they're going through episodes and storylines and in them. Um, so there was a little bit of talk. I, I, you've heard me complain and try to figure out the whole uh, casting of the new Fantastic Four movie, which I'm still trying to figure out why why they managed to make it so difficult to cast a Fantastic Four film or make one that people that are fans of the franchise actually enjoy. I still stick to my guns on my idea that if they're going to make a Fantastic Four movie, they should focus it on the um the Marvel Zombie universe where that actually I don't know how many of you know this but the Marvel Zombie comics which are hugely popular um actually came from Fantastic 4 and that's where they they began that whole alternate universe crossing over thing which was pretty brilliantly done well the uh the new film has I call it Fantastic Four Babies, basically, because it's so younged up, and especially in the case of Mr. Fantastic, who is being played by Miles Teller, who looks like he's 12. So he actually did an interview um, recently where he's talking about working with 
Josh Trank, the guy who's in charge of the new film, and he's the guy who also did The Chronicle, which I really, really enjoyed, and funnily enough, starred um, the gentleman who's now playing the Green Goblin in the Spider-Man franchise as the bad guy. So, anyway, uh, they were talking to him about this, and it sounds like they're trying to make it not as glammy or larger than life. I still don't buy into it. Um, I, I, you know, I, the, the guy that's, uh, that Miles Teller, who is the, the guy who's playing Mr. Fantastic, uh, never really read the comics, which that's fine. You don't have to, but I just, I'm having a really hard time buying this and, um, I guess we'll see. Uh, I don't think it's going to do as well as they're hoping, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. I, I, I just really am tired of younging up things. Ian Gufford was great as Mr. Fantastic. He looked just like him. He, I, I just wish he'd had a better script. Um, and not Jessica Alba as Sue Storm. But I digress. Moving on. Uh, the next one that, that I wanted to talk about, um, TV-wise, future-wise, TV-wise, and comic book world, um, Garth Enos's comic Preacher, we've talked about before, is coming to AMC. And I'm really excited for this because Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen are doing it. Now, while I wasn't a fan of um, the Green Hornet that uh, Rogen did, I think that this is going to be done well. Um, AMC is really good at doing these gritty comic book films, or I'm sorry, series. And I think that this one um, lends itself well to what they have been doing. They, they pretty much let these series do what they want. They don't shy away from the gore factor or anything that might smack of being, um, you know, uh, off the wall, uh, on television. And we're getting a lot more of stuff like that, sort of like Hannibal, which I'll talk about later. But, um, I'm really excited about this and it sounds like, um, especially with uh, the fact that they're doing this along with um, a guy that helped do Breaking Bad, which set the bar high for AMC, uh, that they're going to really stick to the comic and uh, give us a really good, dark, gritty, twisted, funny preacher. Um, I'm curious to see how they're going to cast this uh, for the show. I, I'm just really stoked about it. I, I preacher's one of those comics that I absolutely loved. And I think it's going to be great. And if you haven't read it yet, you really should go check it out. If you can't find the collections, there's volumes out of the, of the comic book. Go on Comixology and download a few um, or buy them at your local comic book store if they have them in stock. And uh, give it a read. If you like twisted, just dark humor and um, really beautiful artwork and some pretty, pretty stuff in there. Um, go check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, and if you know my tastes, how they run, and if you respect how I think about, um, stuff like this, then you really owe it your, to yourself to check it out. Um, I, I love Preacher. It's right up there with the boys, um, on, on twisted awesomeness and, and just taking the comic book genre and, and setting it on its head along with just religion and everything else. It's, it's just really good stuff. And, um, it really does sound like they are going to stick with it. And, uh, in this interview, 
he's um he's got really uh it sounds like they're gonna do really good with with the concept so check it out um when it starts on AMC which is hopefully soon um so now it is time to talk about TV and uh I did a very quick and dirty review of the latest episode of The Walking Dead um which was called Alone and this one was uh, definitely a step up from um the last episode which I really didn't enjoy which is sad because I felt mainly the reason I didn't like I did not like still was due to the fact that you had an entire episode dedicated to two specific characters and what development happened with them made absolutely no sense. And, um, the, the background of Daryl Dixon, if that is in fact really the truth that he didn't lie about anything was very anticlimactic to me. I, I would have preferred at least some, something more out of Daryl, uh, and it really makes no sense to me that he and Beth would go out of their way to drink after growing up with raging alcoholics. Um, but alone is a lot better of a, of an episode. It's more even. Um, and I only had, I had one major quabble quibble with, with something that happened in it. But for the rest of the episode, it, I, I liked it. Um, even though we're still in that fragmented, um, different, and uh, split apart groups and focusing on each one of them. And uh, this one at least had two groups that we were focused upon. So it was a little bit better. And also Beth and Daryl's um, uh, scenes had a lot more talking, which is nice. And um, a lot more development. And it's kind of interesting, as I said in my review, I'm sure a lot of the Carol were sh uh, shippers out there are not going to be happy with it seems like they're pushing Daryl and Beth together. Now, there's a lot of uh, foreshadowing type of things in this episode that could may or may not be happening in the future. And one of them that I'm sure gave a lot of people a stroke was the fact that you see Daryl in a coffin. What does this mean? Are, are they going to risk the ire of the entire Walking Dead fan base and kill off Daryl Dixon this season before the end of it? I don't know. Oh my God. The riot will happen. Um, but, uh, I actually enjoyed Bob and Sasha's scenes together as well. Uh, I kept waiting for one of them to die. It seems like the show, when, when you really start liking a character, they're going to kill them, which I, I find that interesting, but, um, we'll see if, if that actually happens or not this season. Bob seems to be living out, um, managing to live when no one else would think he would, uh, that seems to be part of his character. But the episode, um, like I said, it focused, it focuses on two groups. Sadly, not Tyrese and Carol's group with the psycho baby girl killer. Um, but, uh, or wannabe killer. But, uh, anyway, the episode focuses on two groups, Sasha, Bob and Maggie and Daryl and Beth. And the, um, the balance is really good. I, I actually really enjoyed this episode. Um, the interplay between Beth and Daryl was great. Uh, there was, it was just better paced. And like I said, I really enjoyed finding out more about Bob. Uh, you, you thought he would be a throwaway character and he's actually doing really well, which probably means he's going to die soon because this is the walking dead. And anytime you like a character, 
other than Rick and Daryl, they die um, typically horribly. But um, anyway, the the part that I didn't like in this episode um, was Maggie, for the most part. I, I it's, and this goes back to that whole split thing, and um, you know, it's just I would I really really wish they had done the finale. I keep saying this, I keep harping about this, but it deserves to be said over and over. Um, that they really have made this season feel off, um, with this split thing, and, um, I really wish they had just built up, they could have done what they're doing with this, with these, hey, look, we're the walking dead, we, we don't have to kill zombies all the time, we have interesting characters, and we can develop them, uh, for you, the audience, and it's not just about zombie death, and, and killing zombies in new and varied ways, uh, they could have done that <clears throat> in the in the season, and and ended the season with the prison um, attack and done it very well. <clears throat> but instead, they um, have done this weirdly split season where we we really built to a, an exciting climax really early on, and now we're doing this drawn out thing with these episodes um, in the second half where everybody's fragmented and there's really, uh, you know, now we're going to really try and, and develop characters, but not with each other. Um, it's just really strange. And I'm not sure who made that decision or why they went this route, but that's what we've got. And it seems to be suffering for it. Um, because I think that the, the uh, actual ratings have gone down with each consecutive episode this season. And, uh, it's kind of like the same way with shield, uh, which didn't, um, really do well. It, it's the, the, this premiere that was supposed to be like the, you know, with Bill Pax and everything that happened, um, actually, uh, was the lowest rated episode they've had. Um, but I digress. We're not talking about shield. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but I, I really had a trouble with the Maggie stuff. It just got really old, really fast. Um, and, uh, then there was this whole thing, uh, Bob and Sasha were great together. I really enjoyed their scenes. Um, but when Sasha split off and decided, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to risk myself for, for this. And she randomly finds Maggie, um, on her own and Maggie's laying in the middle of a parking lot next to an ice, it looked like an ice cream truck. I'm not sure if it was, but she's laying there in the open, I guess, asleep. It, it was the most odd thing I've seen. And, um, someone, um, you know, she was doing her little calling cards for Glenn with zombie guts, um, and right using them to write with, which was its own weird thing. But, um, someone, uh, on, on my Facebook feed said that the or actually, I'm sorry, on, on Fangirl actually said that the reason she uh, was able to, to, to live like that was because she smelled like a zombie from being in their guts and using them as writing instruments. And I just don't buy that. <laughs> I don't take that seriously. Um, it's just really strange. I If I was a supposedly seasoned professional zombie slayer like Maggie... I wouldn't just take a nap in the middle of a parking lot in the open surrounded by dead people uh, and, and hope and pray that I just didn't get attacked. And as is evident by what happened with 
Sasha and, and Maggie, she wasn't safe and she was attacked. Um, but you know, Sasha saved the day and then they go and what about Bob? Um, so it's, I don't know. That was just really odd. And the episode ends with, uh, of course, Glenn showing up and going to Terminus. So now we're, um, we've got only a few more episodes left this season. Uh, the next one's called The Grove. And that's going to be, uh, obviously, we're going to get back with Tyrese and Carol. Thank God Carol is back. Who knew I would be pining for Carol um, at this point in the show, but I am. Um, and oddly enough, we haven't seen really... This is like three episodes, or at least two episodes now that uh, Rick, who everyone assumed was like the, the, you know, the center of the show, hasn't been on. So this is, you know, it's kind of a different take for this series, and I don't think it's one that they should have taken. It's It just feels strange. I guess we'll see what happens when um, everyone gets to Terminus and... Um, we find out the whole story behind that. Oh, and also the big plot point um, this episode. Can't forget this. Beth has been taken by the mysterious people in the car. Um, apparently people were kind of confused by that. and uh, But no, she was in fact kidnapped. And Daryl was chasing after her. And Daryl runs into the gang that was in the house with Rick. That Rick um, left one of the guys to zombify and attack them, which was... I wonder if that was planned or not on Rick's part. That's a pretty neat way of taking out people is, you know, secretly kill someone and leave him to reanimate. Um, but I, I love the fact that, as I said in my review on the on the site, Jeff Kober's in this. Jeff Kober shows up in everything I watch at this point. It's sort of ridiculous. He's one of those guys that just shows up in, like, every genre or TV series. He's just a good go-to guy. And uh, he really has been in everything. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking here. Um, I One of the things I early things I remember him being on, and I, at some point I have to have him on the show because he's got a great voice, too. So hopefully Jeff Cooper, people out there who know him, tell him he needs to come on my show because I really want to talk to this guy. Um... One of the original things I remember him being in, um, he was in the movie Tank Girl. It's not just TV that he does, but the one that I, I really remember um, is Kindred the Embraced. He played Daedalus, who was the Nosferatu uh, version of uh, the, the vampires in that. And I loved him in that. He did such a great job. And um, then he wound up showing up in... Um, uh, God, everything, Poltergeist, the legacy, he's been in Star Trek, and then he really showed back up as in Buffy, um, as one of the main first vampire bad guys in that series, and, uh, just, he's been in everything, Supernatural, um, Reaper, you name it, the guy is, just shows up, if it's a TV series and, and slightly genre-based at all, you can expect, Je you know, Jeff Cover to show up. So, anyway, great actor, and I'm very happy to see him in this. And, man, I love this shirt. He had that great rose-covered um, Western shirt, and he stood up to Daryl Dixon, which is always great. So, yeah, um, the next episode is called The Grove, and um, it looks to be, uh, at least we know that Tyrese and Carol and company are back in that. And uh, this one's interesting because I believe it was writ it's written by Scott Gimple, who's now the showrunner. Um, so I here's hoping 
I think this one's going to be pretty good. Uh, the last one that uh, Gimple uh, actually wrote this season um, was 30 Days Without an Accident, which was a good episode. So typically when the showrunner comes in and, and does something like this or um, has any part in it, it's going to be a special episode. Um, and we'll see if if, uh, if my theory stands to reason. If I don't get a preview of this episode this week um, before it airs as of this recording, I haven't gotten one. Um, that means something big is going to go down in this episode. So we'll see. Um, we have two more after that um and no no breaks we're this is this is going to be it um for the next three weeks we're getting three new episodes and um the next one's going to be directed by david goyer and then the uh, one after that is going to be the finale and it's just called a so should be interesting to see are they the cannibals that we've all thought about Hmm, I don't know. We'll find out if the cannibals are coming or if it's the crazy religious people um, or if it's something else that we don't know about yet that they've just added to the show. Also, keep in mind, this may be a nice way to um, to set up the spinoff that is coming soon. Um, I think next season will be... Uh, I think they're gearing up for the spinoff next season um, of the show. So we'll see what happens. Um, but to another series that uh, has been knocking it out of the park, but we need to be aware of that, uh, like I said, Hannibal is apparently not getting the best viewer ratings. Um, even though the finale, um, it looks like uh, last season's finale wasn't that highly rated, um, but in terms of viewership, but everybody loved it. Um, the, the season premiere, um, had a pretty good, it actually almost doubled the, uh, the viewers from the finale last year, but then they dropped, um, by about a third for this episode, which is called Sakazuki. And what's interesting is, um, if you remember, uh, I was talking about how this season, everything's, um, Japanese based, in terms of title, uh, this one, um, I, I wondered if they were going to mention, uh, Hannibal's Japanese aunt. Um, and, uh, he actually did in this episode. The other interesting thing about this episode, um, was we found out, um, a lot about, uh, oh man, I, I, I gotta say Hannibal has, is probably one of the most beautifully shot, and film TV series to come in a long, long time. Um, this one just was gorgeous. There were some shots in this of the body pile, and you realize what he's done is he's created an eye to look at God, basically, and see if God is looking back. Um, God, don't you love psychopaths and how their brains work? Um, so this episode was just really, really cool. Um, beautifully shot, some images are just amazing stuff. And this episode also, um, it was funny. We were talking previously on this show about, um, the Dr. DeMaurier, who is Hannibal's psychologist, um, is played by Jillian Anderson. 
And we had been talking about her and how what's going to happen with her. Now, my theory was one of two things, and it turned out I was wrong and on both counts. And every and I, I was surprised by how this went down. Um, the Mar- I, I thought she was going to possibly kill herself out of remorse or guilt for um, helping Hannibal along, really, in, in what he was doing. And then the other one was Hannibal was going to kill her. <clears throat> Well, what ended up happening was Dr. DeMarier um, had enough brains to realize what was going to happen to her. And she did have remorse and she did have guilt, but she knew enough to get out. And so she leaves after telling Will, poor Will Graham, who has, is now realizing exactly what's happening to him and that... that um, you know, or pretty close to ha- knowing exactly what's gone down with him uh, and what Hannibal's up to, tells, she tells Will that she believes him. And then she leaves. She gets out of town. She gets out of Dodge and leaves her house and everything behind because Hannibal's going, it, she knew enough that Hannibal would show up to try and kill her. I love the fact that she left her perfume bottle. And it it was it was nice and creepy and 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 she kind of knew, I guess, that he liked the scent of her perfume or something. Uh, it was it was really well done. I liked that, and I hope she shows back up. Um, uh, Jillian Anderson's on another series right now, though, on NBC. I think it's a a limited run series uh, that's going to be on um, like a, a, a political thriller kind of twenty four ish thing. Um, but I hope she comes back on the show in some capacity because I really like that character and the interplay between her and Hannibal. Um, for the rest of the episode, though, <clears throat> uh, I I like I was like really really rooting for the um, the victim that got away and then ended up killing himself to get away uh, from the body pile. It was so horrible. That whole scene had me just cringing. And how that played out. I was rooting for him to make it, to make it, and then he, he didn't. But he didn't die on the pile of bodies, which was nice. Um, anyway. So, um, it, it is interesting, though. Hannibal manages to use that sense of smell of his, and he finds the, the murderer. He finds the body pile, and um, he, he uh, manages to sweet-talk the killer into letting him kill him. Which only Hannibal Lecter could do. And then we get that wonderful scene of Hannibal, because you know he has to have his trophies, uh, cutting up the leg. I, I, I'm still amazed that on this show, um, what they get away with showing on a network TV series. It, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, anyway, so we get to see that, and, and then in this episode also, uh, uh, Beverly Katz, who is the, uh, the, uh, I think she's, she's part of the team and I want to say she's a forensic pathologist on the team and Will is talking to her and she's trying to get Will to help her, uh, and the team find this killer, which they eventually do, um, at the end of the episode on his own body pile, of course, where Hannibal left him. But, um, Will manages to convince her to start helping look at his innocence or try to find it. And, um, it's going to be, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, so 
the other thing is Alana uh, really wasn't in this episode that much, if at all. I don't even think she was in this one. I'm curious to see what happens with her character. As um, Rachel and I were talking about uh, Alana Bloom, she's not... I, I'm wondering if something happens to her and that's what sets off the whole showdown with Jack Crawford and Hannibal that we saw at the beginning of the series, which we know or beginning of the season, which we know happens 12 months down the road. Um, so, or 12 weeks down the road. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with there. Uh, the next episode, which airs um, tomorrow, as of this airing, is Hassan. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, I really hope uh, that this show, I hope the viewer ratings go up, because... Uh, we had to fight to get a second season in this, and, and I really want more of it. It's so beautifully done, and the acting is top-notch. You get some great guest stars in this, so I really, really hope that Hannibal makes it, and um, we get more than just two seasons out of this show. Uh, the next one that we have to talk about, and if you didn't get a chance to catch this, uh, I actually went through and powered through the entire season. Um, there were six episodes, uh, actually, I'm sorry, eight episodes of this, uh, of True Detective. And I'm not joking when I say it broke HBO to go, um, with people watching the finale on it. Uh, True Detective is an interesting concept and, um, I, I'm really anxious to see how they do this, um, for the second season. But um, the first season of True Detective starred Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it is a really cool concept. Each season is going to focus on a different set of detectives slash cops. Um, and the first season was directed by Carrie Fukunaga, who did Jane Eyre with, uh, uh, Mia Wasikowska and uh, Michael Fassbender. So it's interesting that uh, he could do such a different sort of concept, but they're still both beautiful to look at. Um, so True Detective, this one, um, it, it's kind of neat because it, it hops around. It starts out in the 90s and it goes um, to the, uh, like about, I think it's 2000, 2012, um, or, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. In 2012, uh, is where the, the finale and everything goes down. And, uh, it focuses on, uh, McConaughey's character who's detective Rust Cole and Woody Harrelson's, um, Marty Hart. Now it's kind of cool because McConaughey's character is a very, um, cerebral and, and, um, he's got a very weird way of looking at the world and it's a dark, outlook on it. He's lost a child. His marriage is broken up. Um, the, the, the death of his little girl destroyed his marriage. And then you have Woody Harrelson's character, who's more of a, he goes by his gut and by instinct. So it's kind of like the two of them put together, make a real, a whole person. Um, they both have definite faults, but they're, they're both very good at what they do. So this series, it starts off in, in 2012 and then you flash back to when they first meet and are assigned to one another as partners 
and uh, and you watch the relationship between the two of them, which is a very strained one because they don't really get along, and this case that they um, they find themselves on, and how and how it goes, and all of the bad things that happen in this case, and how it just haunts them. And it is phenomenal. And uh, these two actors, everybody on the show actually are great. Um, and the it's a very southern gothic noir crime, um, at least this season is. The music is just freaking awesome. I I really love it. Um it just fits it perfectly and the and the title sequence is creepy and awesome too. Uh so beautiful show and it it really was a major hit for HBO. It became like a phenomenon. If you haven't heard about True Detective at this point and you've been online then I don't know what to tell you because it's it's everywhere online. I don't know how I managed not to be ruined on this. <laughs> Um, but I managed to not get ruined on the, um, on the finale or anything that happened in the show. I, I avoided it like the plague cause I wanted to see it. So, um, the, uh, the series is written by Nick Pizzolatto, who has written a couple of, of, of st- books before, but this is like a first entire series that he's done and just great writing, um, really good characters and just some witty dialogue. And, and like I said, Harrelson and McConaughey just rule this show. So it's going to be interesting to see, with the concept of what it is, um, this was one um, one story. And the next season is going to be a completely different story, different characters. Everything's going to be different. Sort of like um, what they're doing with uh, American Horror Story, but even more of an extreme because I don't think they're going to use the same actors at all. And it'd be really hard now that McConaughey's won a best, act, you know, best acting Oscar, to get him back at least for for like an eight, basically an eight hour movie is what this is, um, split up over weeks. So um, just a really really great show, and um, I can't say enough about it. You really need to watch it. Uh, even an HBO to go has every episode up right now where you can watch them. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting, too, because they're two lead actors. They both have two major films up where you can watch them as well, Magic Mike for McConaughey and um, Now You See Me um, for uh, Harrelson. But I, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I can't say enough about it. And uh, it's what I would love if they could do it. Um, cause I love the characters so much. I love Rust and I love Marty and you will too. It's just two very likable actors and you just fall in love with them in this. Um, even though they're both dicks in their own way, especially Marty, but you can't help it because even as crazy as Woody Harrelson is, same with Matthew McConaughey, you just love these guys. They're the kind of guys you want to go hang out with. Maybe not the characters in this, maybe Marty. But Rust is his own weirdness. Um, I digress. Uh, I would love to see a continuation of these characters somehow um, with becoming like uh, in a in a book series. That would be amazing to see uh, happen. Uh, and, and like I said, Nick Pizzolatto, my my recommendation: continue it on like that. You would have a, a runaway hit of um, of a book series with this. So 
That's all I'm saying. Um, but there you go. That's our recap. And like I said, True Detective, worth subscribing for a month um, to HBO. Just you can get HBO to go and check it out and marathon through it like I did in two days because it's totally, totally worth it. Um, and I'm curious, like I said, to see what happens uh, what happens with the next season and who they get to be in it. Because with as big of a hit as this was, they're going to not have any problems bringing in another couple of really major actors to do this, um, to do this show. Uh, so with that, let's talk about briefly before we bring him on, um, the star of Dark House and the writer of Dark House. Um, so um, Charles Ar- Agron is the writer and um, actually stars in Dark House. Now, the, the movie is about a, a guy by the name of Dick De- Nick DeSanto. Hmm, wonder what that means. Interesting name, don't you think? Uh, Nick DeSanto is a young man who has a very cursed ability. If he touches you, he can see how horribly you're going to die. And it's he sees your horrible death. If you if you are in fact going to have a horrible death, a violent death, he touches you. He can see it. And the dark house is the story of him trying to find out who he is, and why he keeps seeing he keeps seeing this house in his mind. He and discovers that um, throughout his whole life he's been drawing and recreating this house, and he realizes the house actually exists. So he decides he and his friend and his very pregnant girlfriend need to go to this house and find out the whole story behind it. And he's going to regret doing that. Um, the movie stars, as I said, um, Zach Ward, uh, Luke, and I'm going to try not to, to uh, destroy this name, Luke Kleintank, Anthony Ray Perez, Alex McKenna, Lacey Anslick, Ethan Smith, Leslie Ann Down, which was a big surprise, and Tobin Bell. And uh, Tobin and Charles are joining us on the show tonight. And Tobin actually produced, helped co-produce this show, this uh, this um, this film. And uh, it was great to talk to them. And as I said, this is one of those times where I love the mythos of the movie. I, I got to see it before I interviewed them. And um, I, I enjoyed the movie. But it's so neat when you find out things that you you had questions about and you get to talk to the people that made the film and you find out the answers and you're like oh that's so cool and I had one of those aha moments during this interview so with that let's bring on um to our um, special guest Charles Agron and Tobin Bell hi Jessica hello Tobin how are you doing and where are you doing it <laughs> I am doing quite well, and I am in Eugene, Oregon. Ah, yeah. Oregon, how's it? Is it raining or not? Um, actually, I think it stopped. Oh. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> That's perfect for Oregon. I think it stopped. <laughs> I think it stopped for probably about 15 minutes. It's going to stop. <laughs> yeah. I was in Portland well, once. I was in Portland, Oregon, once for three days. It it never rain. I've never seen rain like that. Uh, oh, so I, I I sympathize with you. Oh, we've well, we had uh, giant masses of snow for 
two months, which is unheard of here. So that all melted, and then the rain started, so now I live in a swamp. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hope the gators, there's no gators, though. No gators. No gators, no gators. in the swamp, yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of frogs. It's kind of, yeah. that is right. sort of definite. Right. Everybody, I want to welcome Charles Agron and Tobin Bell to Fangirl Radio. They are part of the new film Dark House, which is coming out this week on DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, guys, welcome to Fangirl Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jessica. Thank you for being on. So I'm going to go right into this. What inspired this story, Charles? Because I got a very don't be afraid of the dark vibe from it, especially with the talking to the walls and kind of thing. Um, So what inspired this story for you? Well, I'm actually a huge fan of the genre, and I'm heavily influenced by the Twilight Zone series and Stephen King, uh, namely The Shining. And uh, I I really believe in the mantra of, of less is more, and one of the ideas that always kind of captured me was the idea of fate. And everybody is always saying that, you know, I hope fate brings me better. Fate is going to, you know, save the day. I, I thought to myself, well, wonder if you put an evil twist on fate and think that, um, wonder if you could be the best person on earth, but your fate is, uh, is not a good one. And, um, what I did was, is I toyed with that idea in my mind and I actually, in order to uh, conjure up my scary movie writing abilities, I actually went to the uh, Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, and stayed in the same room that Stephen King did when he wrote The Shining. And it oh, was wow. there that I I, 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 I mean, I'm a big fan, a <laughs> big fan. <And laughs> I was, was going to uh, say, that's dedication. And, yeah, and while I was there, I, I put together the story of a, of a, a, a young man with these, uh, with these gifts and, uh, you know, having visions of a home that he didn't know existed and uh, finding out that that home did exist. And uh, this journey to find out who he is, only to find out that there's a dark presence at that home. And then, of course, later to find out that he's just a pawn in a greater battle of, uh, of uh, between good and evil. So that's... Uh, that's how that developed. I, I, I feel like uh, fate is, uh, is very important, and I wanted to put a different spin on it. It's kind of a doom spin. That it's, it's a really interesting story, though. I like the background in this and the way you've kind of taken mythologies and mixed them in here, and, and it was really an interesting thing. Did, how much research did you do in regards to those? Because I know you, um, you referenced the number 23 a lot in this. Well, um, 23 was uh, was uh, something that Victor Salva brought to the table, my, my co-writer, and it's a number it's a it's a number that has influenced his career and so forth. Um, and uh, in, in terms of the mythology and so forth, it seems like as we were uh, putting the story together, these uh, different instances seem to seamlessly work with what we were putting together. And um, I, I don't want to give too too much of the story away, but um, I think that. Um, I think the, the audience will appreciate the, uh, the characters and, and how it developed using the mythology. And in terms of the researching it, I mean, we certainly, uh, we certainly did everything we could so that uh, we could cross our T's and, and dot our I's. Well, and one thing I was going to ask you, and, and then I, I had a, a couple questions for Tobin, was the way the, um, the axe wielders move that I think they showcase it in the trailer as well. How, where did you come up with that? Cause that was really, really creepy. 
Well, the the purpose of the Axemen is uh, is to develop the dark presence that's uh, keeping Nick, the lead character, away from the house. And I actually talked to uh, Victor Salva, and uh, he said to me, uh, you know, one way that we can make these uh, these guys uh, very very scary is to uh, to kind of manipulate the way that they 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 move and their presence and so forth. And I think that um, the way that they uh, lope in the film. Uh, sort of their movement it's disjunct it's uneasy and I think will be one of the more memorable parts of the film it's very very we we when I was watching it with my um, usual co-host we we were sort of are they are they they gorillas what what the hell are they (laughs) because of how they were dragging along and everything it just was a really effective way of making them stand out yeah, great. You know, the, the, the 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 Seth character who occupies the house, these guys that you're talking about, they're his army. Oh yeah. And and uh, it speaks to the timeless quality of this film and how long Seth has been in this house and. Uh, um, when you look at the, uh, I'd call it Paleolithic um, men who are working with him, uh, um, you know, I, I think that there's lots of things in this film that that run underneath the surface and speak to what I think is one of the real strengths of the film, and that is that this battle between good and evil has been going on for thousands and thousands of years since caveman times oh wow you know I didn't think about that but that makes sense that even adds to it you're right that that is uh, that just adds another level that's really cool um so Tobin one thing I wanted to ask you about this film was this sort of a departure from what people are normally used to you doing in films in in one way you're you're kind of fighting against bad things happening instead of causing bad things to happen is that one of the things that attracted you to this role you know um mm, no, because I honestly don't have a problem uh, whether I'm doing bad things or I'm doing good things. It's more about the dynamic of the writing and more about the person's motivation for doing what they do. Uh, um, and, you know, good versus bad is, is you know, you, it, like you, 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 something gets revealed about Seth uh, in this film, uh as the film progresses and uh, what you think you see you don't see and what you don't see is uh, something that is going to catch up with you and surprise you when you get to the end so um, you know I, I the whole issue of good versus bad when you're an actor anything that exists on the human palette of life whether it's good or it's bad or it's somewhere in between is all fair game and you try to do it with the most amount of credibility that you can and uh, um, I always have pleasure when that camera rolls because 
it's a unique opportunity to to do what uh, you love doing and uh, what so many people would give their eye teeth to do. Well, and and the other part of this too is you were one of the producers on this film. Um, how was that to to take part in? Um, and how much input did you have into the film itself? Uh, you know, I having been in the business for uh, almost forty years now, you learn uh, certain things. Uh, uh, I'll give you one little thumbnail. Uh, you know, I've worked on a lot of stages, and stages um, are great to work on. Uh, by stages, I don't mean theatrical stages. I mean warehouses that get converted into movie sets, and they build walls, and they shoot scenes in them. That's that's a movie stage. And uh, in this case, uh, um, I knew one night uh, when we were running very well behind that... Yep. If they gave uh, more time. I'm sorry, I, I don't know who that is. Uh, okay, I'll schedule for a 145 interview. Yeah, you're early. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll call you back. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Um, what I was about was that, uh, you know, there was a meeting going on and we were trying to decide whether we should continue to shoot that night or whether we should prepare this stage and thereby save time the next day. And, uh, you know, there was some producers sitting around and some, uh, you know, uh, production coordinators and all that sort of thing. And, And so somebody asked me what I thought and I said, stop shooting tonight give them the time to light this set and get it prepared tomorrow, you'll make the time up tomorrow. And so, you know, yeah, I was able to contribute in that particular moment, and and they listened, and that's what we did, and we were all fresher the next day, and uh, so, you know, I I was happy to work with Victor every chance I could to tweak this scene or that scene, but uh, overall the, the project was well underway by the time I got there, and, uh, and uh, I just, uh, you know, if, if sitting with Charles Agron having grilled cheese sandwiches is part of my producing, uh, <laughs> part of my producing responsibilities, I fulfilled them mightily. <laughs> right, 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 Charles? Yeah, that, that you did, that you did. <laughs> um, right. I have to say though, uh, Tobin really is a—he's he really understands his craft and so forth, and he really understands the business. And being a first-time producer, I learned invaluable information from him, and I'm very thankful for that. That is great. Um, So I I, sounds like I kind of need to wrap up here, but I I wanted to ask um, about filming where you did and and the locations. How was it to film in those woods uh, in in that area? Because it looked kind of it looked like it would have been an interesting shoot yeah it was cold and scary (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh you know the deep south is an eerie place and uh uh when you get into some of that scrub woods and swampy kind of conditions and and uh you know next to we were right next to the mississippi and uh you know the the light there is amazing and uh so that's one of the strengths of the film is that it was shot on location in uh, in Greenville, Mississippi, and uh, 
and it really shows uh, in the cinematography of uh, Don Fongleroy, who was uh, cinematographer and producer. I know it looked it looked gorgeous. The wood areas and and just how the house looked was just amazing. So you guys did a great job with that. Um, so yeah, one I'm... real quick last question for you guys: Would you be interested in coming back for a sequel to give us the background on Seth and possibly how Nick came to be born? That's well, that's uh, that's up to you, Charles. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you this: um, the the story of Dark House. It actually has, um, I, I've written more, uh, I've written about uh, Nick's childhood and so forth, and I also toy with the idea, once again, of, of good versus evil. And, uh, I, you know, sometimes good versus evil can be uh, based upon the eye of the beholder. So those are some uh, ideas that are in my head at this point uh, moving forward. And um, if, uh, if we made the movie that uh, we hope to have and the fans love us, I don't see why the story can't continue. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. And I really enjoyed the film. And, and Tobin Charles, thank you again for coming on the show. I, I, uh, I really hope we get to see some more of this because the, just the more thinking about what you guys said about the background of these characters and how the levels of this are uh, in the story are so deep, I, uh, I really want to see more of it. Well, that's oh, that's good. Thanks for your support, Jessica, with uh, with the release of Tarkos. Thank you so much, and talk to you later. All right, okay. thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.